Hello guys, welcome back to Board Draw, episode number... 29! 29, mate. 29 episodes in the locker already. We'll do something big for number 50, I reckon. (laughs) Number 50, mate. I mean, it might come soon with all the World Cup videos. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But, um... Yeah, before the World Cup, we have uh, this game week to talk about. The penultimate some prem little game. predictions for yeah. the final game week before Bish the Qatar Bosch. World Cup kicks off. Yes. Um, it was a, a game week. Yeah, apparently it was the highest scoring game week in the Prem ever. Yeah, I mean, if you had a, over 2.5 goals accurate on Premier League, you'd be laughing. Um, yeah, bloody. Some yeah, big, big results, one. some great comebacks. Don't celebrate too hard, though. Gabby Bonglahor. Yeah, yeah, it's like a up. whole police now, isn't there? The celebration police. Yeah, and I mean, if Southampton, who sacked Hassan Hootel, get Nathan Jones in, he's the biggest uh, celebration police ever. Yeah, just ask any QPR fan, um, or any fan of the championship, they'll, uh, they'll let you know that for sure. That looks like a done deal, I think, because apparently um, Luton are looking at... Um, who's in charge of Bournemouth at the moment, the caretaker? Gary O'Neill. Yeah, apparently Bournemouth, uh, Luton are looking at him. To replace Nathan Jones, so fair enough. Fair you enough. What indeed? Yeah. Well, um, let's get right into it though. Um, probably, I wouldn't say maybe the game of the weekend, but probably the biggest game. I mean, there was a lot. There was yeah, there was a couple of giant versus giant games, but yeah. this one was the one that ended the game week, and especially with Liverpool being in the headlines at the moment for a topic that we'll get onto, we might as well start with Spurs versus Liverpool. We'll start where the game week ended. Bosh. Liverpool 2, Spurs 1. Um, well, I said this in my predictions. This could be the game. Oh, I said it will be the game that kickstarts Liverpool's season. Can you really kickstart a season when you've got one more game and then a massive break? No, but I think there's going to... like We'll get on to the Liverpool being part for sale, but... There's got to be so much kind of like uncertainty now and like where they are in the table is a bit wobbly. Players are injured. They're up for sale now. There's there's a weird time, I think, at Liverpool. It is a weird time. It's a weird season of transition. We spoke about this like before the season even began, how Liverpool are probably the club most in transition this season Mm. because obviously the loss of Mane... And then them bringing in Diaz and Nunez, so like moving towards a slightly different style of play. Yeah. Um. I mean, they've got some aging players in their team. Salah's not as young as he used to be. Um. But Salah, he did the business this game. Yeah, my boy. I've been struggling with him in fantasy. I've just always been like, oh, I've got other fires to put out in my team, so I can't really get rid of Salah. So he's always just stayed in the team. And luckily for me, he did a little sign sign. Yeah, I mean. You can never write him off because he will. Uh, he'll always find the back Especially in the Especially against that calamitous Spurs defence. So I mean, the so second, the second goal, Eric, Eric Dyer, Dyer, mate. Oh. I've said from day dot that he isn't it. He has like good spells, and I think he's a very good defender if he's next to two man who are world class, no mistake players. Because he has enough mistakes for all three of them put together. If he is the main guy, and in that Spurs defence, he is the main guy, that's problems, mate. Yeah, I mean... And if you put it next to Harry Maguire for England, blood clot, that is so many problems. That was going to be my next point, is like, if you're Gareth Southgate and you watch that game, you've got to be questioning it. I mean... Mate, that's got to be one or two howlers a game between them. I mean, if that happens in any World Cup game, 
he will not recover from the rinsing oh, that would mate, occur. So it would be, yeah, like you say, calamitous. Um, but yeah, I mean, Salah obviously sniffed out the chance yeah, and it's good uh, for finished, finished it well. Clinical, yeah. yeah, I mean, Spurs started poorly. And I don't, I don't really understand how they can continue to start poorly like this. No. And we spoke about this and I'm not even going to use the word that I've used to describe Spurs every week. Talk about their style of football because I think it's getting a bit dull now. Um, but this surely isn't the way that Conte wants to play. I know he wants to play the game in spells where he wants his team to drop back and recover like their energy and absorb mm. the pressure and then like blow teams away then in like fifteen minute segments. But you can't you can't play like that in the Premier League because there is so much quality, even in the mid table and uh yeah. lower half teams, that a fifteen minute spell where you're under the cosh, it could cost you the game because there is enough talent in the Premier League that they will put a goal, two goals, yeah, even 100%. three goals. Harsh. I mean, they, they conceded two to Bournemouth, didn't they? Yeah, and like you said, in the Premier League, it doesn't work like that. The pace is so high for pretty much the entire 90, where it's like, it's renowned that in Serie A, the pace is slower. You can get away with maybe playing that kind of way where you have 10-minute spells every third of the game. Whereas here, like you said, if you're not on, on it, for minute one to minute 90, teams will be on you. And I'd rather my team start the game well and then dip in the second half. Because if you get better in the second half, you've already given yourself a mountain to climb. Whereas, like, why don't they just come out, start well, and then just sit back and try and defend it rather than defend nothing, concede, and then think, shit, Oh, I need to go score a couple of goals. It's now. almost a bit like a mentality thing because yeah. if you do go that goal behind, like you say, you got a mountain to climb. Going into half time, was it two 0 at half time? Yeah, you, you just like you're almost out of the game at that point, especially against Liverpool. You you don't really expect to get anything then. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is enough quality in that Spurs team for them to not have to do this thing where they play in spells. You've also got five substitutions now. In the Premier yeah, League. exactly, and. This Spurs team, I've just spoke about their quality, but it is mainly in their attacking uh, assets who lead lead that sort of um, frontier. It is apparent, it's clear, and it's obvious that Spurs do not have the quality in defence to allow them to play that sort of like absorb pressure sort of football. Yeah, where Because they, they, they have no ball-playing defenders. They can't play it out from the back. Mm. They can't play it around the back. Then they get into the midfield. The midfield is light. They've got Bentecourt and Hoiberg. Sometimes they pack it into a three with uh, Pesuma, which is actually when I think they look best when they have that three in the middle. Yeah. Um, but then you can't. You also then can't control the pace of the game because you do not have the tempo magician players in the middle to slow the game down or speed it up at a moment's notice. They can't play those clinical passes. That's why we're seeing players like Son, Richarlison, Kulisevsky be ineffective this season. Because they do not have that sort of across the pitch outlet, yeah. which releases them. They're not being able to break the lines easy. Harry Kane's coming super deep, and I know he's come up, popped up with a goal this game, and I think he's had a, he's actually having a very good season in this sort of. Yeah. And and Spurs aren't having a bad season. They're just playing abysmally. Like it's horrific to watch. The playing style is awful, and I've seen it on multiple kind of uh, football channels now, where they're like. Spurs fans are getting tired of it now. And I, I've, there was booze at the game on Sunday because um, 
at halftime because obviously the first half performance was shit and the Spurs fans had just come off the back of that Marseille game where, yes, it turned out to be a good night for them, but that first half against Marseille was arguably even worse than the Liverpool game. It, that was the worst first half of football I've seen from any team this season. And then they just came off the back of a first half against Bournemouth, which was a shocker. Yes, they went and got that back, but Spurs fans are literally going into every game at the moment, knowing for the first 45 minutes, They're not gonna they turn might as well up. not even turn up yeah. because their team are just sitting back, passing around the back, make a mistake and conceding stupid goals. And that's down to Antonio Conte for me. It's got to come down to the manager. Yeah. I mean, they've brought in like, they've got all these attacking uh, wide defenders, the likes of Perisic, Sessegnon, Emerson Royale, boo, he's a bit shit. Um, Jed Spence, he's not even had a sniff really. No. Um, but like when you're playing with this attack and wing back style, you want to see those wing backs bombing on and getting to the byline and getting the crosses in, yeah. whether they're whipping it in or whether they're they're like drilling it back towards the penalty spot for Harry Kane or for Son or even someone arriving late like Benton or Hoybio to get onto the end of it. But you're just not seeing it at all. And I don't know whether it's because when the centre backs get the ball, they're too slow at releasing it. They don't have the quality of pass from centre backs. I'm not being funny yet. But Romero, Davis, Dyer. Like Dyer was touted as going to be like the next ball playing centre back. He was yeah. meant to be like this incredible player. Because he was like a bit of a ball player in the midfield when he was in his midfield phase. Well, he came from but uh, Portugal yeah, as is, well, didn't he? He has right. just dipped. His his quality on the ball is so bad. Yeah. And I mean, so that that in turn means that players like Perisic, Sesson Young, they can't get to the byline because they know the ball's not going to like release to them. And they're like... In this game, I saw there was one time where the ball did get played and Perisic like absolutely manhandled Trent to get to it. Trent, oh, we'll get on to Liverpool in the second half because it was polar opposite of their first half. But yeah, Trent... I don't know what's happened, man. Nah, I don't know if it was a lack of confidence or something. But they, I know, was it in the um, Champions League they played him at right midfielders against Napoli? Oh yeah, yeah, for like the last bit, yeah. I mean, potentially like releasing some of this because uh, teams are going for him now. Yeah, it's not even like hundred percent. He just ends up on the kind of bad end, end, of, end of, of like yeah. yeah. He teams are their game plan nine times out of ten now is target Trent. Target Trent because offensively he's still doing Trent things. Yes, he's not getting the assists, and that can be down to a number of things. His confidence is low, so his final pass isn't always on point and apart from Salah and maybe Darwin Nunez now and again the front line aren't really delivering either but offensively he's still spraying balls across the line whipping in crosses here and there but defensively he is getting rinsed regularly and not even by the best um, left wingers it's every team's left winger is having any anyone yeah. I mean if you're if you're a left winger in the Premier League and you're coming against Liverpool like like last year or the season before you would have been like fucking hell this is going to be a nightmare I'm not going to get anything Yeah. now you're fucking laughing you're waiting to the change yeah room. he's having a mare I mean I like Trent I want to see Trent succeed he is the most interesting England right back maybe I've ever seen in my lifetime in terms of yeah. you basically have a number 10 who plays right back Yeah. yeah the you... delivery of set pieces of crosses his, his ability to find a pass across the pitch his ability to link up with uh, the players out wide, it's phenomenal. Offensively, he is the best attacking winger England have. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, 100%. right back. But 
you can't play right back and not know how to defend. And yeah. we, we even before the Champions League final, we defended him. <laughs> and then we defended him after the Champions League final. And then, was it was it first game of the season they played Fulham? And then Mitrovic yeah. scored the header? Yeah, yeah. And then we, we were still trying to defend him. <laughs> yeah. But like... It, it's got bad. It's, it is, yeah, it's undeniable now. I think now. he was getting away with it the last few seasons because Van Dijk was at the peak of his powers. He was playing alongside a Joe Gomez who's on like the form of his life or a Matip on the form of his life. But both of them two now have declined. Van Dijk is having a stinker of a season. Andrew Robertson is in and out of the team at the moment. It's only Allison that's really kept up his levels. So the entire defence has declined. But where Trent would get away with it, Trent is now kind of like the face of the whole team's decline. Whereas like, it's not just him. There is a lot of other players. Jordan Henderson looks past it now. Thiago's kind of not really hit like seven or eight out of 10 every game like he used to. We said about Van Dyke shit. And so across the board, Salah up until recently has been a bit stinky. The thing is though, when you watch Salah, he does always look dangerous. Yeah. And it's sort of I the think same with Darwin still Nunez. Scared of him. Nunez, when he plays, he's getting into the right positions, but sometimes it's his decision-making that final third, which lets him down a bit. Mm. Like, sometimes he takes a shot on where it's better to play a pass, where someone like Mane would have played the pass, you know, yeah. or someone like Bobby Firms would have played the pass. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it is interesting to sort of like watch this from an outside perspective. I think they have been better since Konate's returned. Yeah, Konate really is a really, game, really good centre-back. And I think if he can come continue this sort of like strong bit of form that he's come into from yeah. that injury, then providing that solidity from the Liverpool defence, if they can get a little bit of confidence and get a few wins in a row, and they'll probably blow away a team, you know, and then suddenly the ball's starting to roll again, that belief's coming back. We'll switch, we'll talk about what's going on behind the scenes now a bit. Obviously, FSG have put Liverpool up for sale. Is it a valuation of three billion? Four billion. Four. Yeah, and they've had a couple of offers at the time of recording, so it's Tuesday night, um, there's apparently rumours of two offers so far. But um, yeah, it's kind of like, I want to talk about firstly, how Liverpool fans feel about it. And obviously, if you're a Liverpool fan, let us know. Because it's a sticky one, isn't it? Because these days, if you're going to buy yourself a super club, ignoring um, Todd Bowley and Chelsea, nine times out of ten, you're a, you're a nation. Or... Mm-hmm. So the likes of Dubai, the Prince of Dubai is looking to buy um, Liverpool and some Qatari person as well. And obviously Liverpool have got this like um, appearance of this like kind of grounded team that are for the people of Liverpool, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how they would feel about becoming an oil club. Yeah, in quotation marks. So, like that was it's, it's a really interesting point because there are very few places. It's a very select part of the world where they can they have the sort of money and the assets to immediately purchase a three billion, four billion dollar or pound valuation of a club. Yeah, it's, it is insane, and we are looking at that part of the world. You're looking at your Saudi Arabia. You're looking at your Qatar money, like, and like you say, Liverpool very much for the people club um very like working class support yeah exactly you know and we i mean i guess newcastle's not too far off like sort of like they sort of yeah you can imagine newcastle and liverpool they sort of share the sort of same, same ideals morals, yeah um and i'm glad you brought newcastle up because my 
kind of thought about the Newcastle thing, because I was thinking about this earlier, is the only difference I can see between them two, because like you said, they're both giant teams with northern working class backgrounds. And I think at a base level, we'll probably be against um, kind of oil clubs and becoming that kind of team. But what I think is different for Newcastle is that they've been out of... They've had no success. No success whatsoever and had probably England's worst owner for God knows how long Mike Ashley was in ownership in Newcastle. Yeah, we could do a whole video about Mike Ashley because, to be honest, for all the hate he got, he did actually, like, consolidate them as a club for a long time. Yeah, he kind of... Yeah, got them to a level and then just let them stagnate for yeah. so long. And then he re- was return- receiving investment on it, on his investment, like yeah, returns yeah, on yeah. his investment. But, and um, so I think that's the yeah. difference between Newcastle and Liverpool is that Liverpool were in the Champions League final four or five months ago. I mean, they've seen a lot they've of They've won the Premier League in a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of years ago. They won the Champions League a couple of years ago. So it's not like their owners are the epitome of a nightmare owner. I mean, it's not like the owners weren't afraid to spend money. They, exactly. They, they literally bought the most expensive goalkeeper in the world. They bought in players like Van Dijk. They yeah. bought in players like... Darwin Nunez. Darwin Nunez, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So they Dave were... Salah, what, he must be on like 600 grand a week now. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they literally have spent the money. Yeah. They, and they've seen success out of it. And obviously, this is the first season where we're sort of seeing a little bit of falter. Mm. And I don't know whether it is because of behind-the-scenes sort of like things going on but we'll never we'll probably never ever know that yeah but um it's just like i'm intrigued as to what liverpool fans would think because yeah they've had success and so becoming an oil club and getting like unlimited money is that something they want or would they rather someone come in and buy their club that's not oil club money and maybe their success diminishes slightly but they don't have this status of an oil club so i'm intrigued as to where they are i think if you look at it that way Obviously, the ideal situation is that someone who isn't from that sort of oil background yeah. buys the club. And we say oil background, but yeah, obviously the like money comes from all different like, aspects. Yeah, there's equally that, that as bad. You could be like term. Roman Abramovich and it's the same thing. Like yeah. PSG, Newcastle, yeah. Man City yeah. owners. Like That is a generic term. Yeah, just like owned by like a state rich from or oil. a company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rather than so, like, I don't know, a business. I, obviously, the ideal situation is that someone who's like either locals Liverpool, Liverpool hero, or like just like English based probably, just comes someone in, buys them, buys the club, and they see the same level the of success. Yeah, yeah. and understands that, what that club's that's about. That's not going to happen because you look at the teams. Look at Man City. Yeah, I'm not saying that they've won the league through money, but they had they turned the club turned around when when. Uh, that the money came in. You see, 100%. apparently now they're the second biggest um, commercial club, commercial club yeah. in the world, which is crazy. But I don't know how much Given of that like is true. Ten years I, ago, I, I can imagine there is a lot of number fudging going. Oh yeah, on they're there, like 100%. The, the number fudge club, aren't they? But um, and then yeah, like so if, if Liverpool do want to potentially compete at the top level with clubs like PSG and Man City for for the foreseeable future, potentially this isn't the worst thing ever. No, they will have, especially because that money. They are currently, as much as like we've like praised FSG for not being a bad owner, they are getting carried by Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp yeah. is the mastermind behind Liverpool's return to the big time. And Jurgen Klopp's not going to be there forever. I'll give him maybe two more years. Well, I, th- I think it depends on how this season goes. And even a new owner might do what Toboli did. That's why Toboli's come in off the back of Tuchel winning the Champions League. 
yes, he's had a wobbly start in the Prem and Champions League. Lost to Zagreb and then bang. Bosch, gone. Champions League winning Thomas Tuchel. All the fans love Thomas Tuchel and Thomas Tuchel loved Chelsea. And so it could be a similar thing where a new owner comes in and immediately hits it off wrong with Jurgen Klopp, who is a bit of a feisty character and probably not the easiest on to get along with. But there are a few worse decisions you could actually make, not (laughs) just in football, but in life, than sacking Jurgen Klopp. Sacking Jurgen Klopp, I I don't care. Unless Liverpool get relegated, you do not sack that man. You know what billionaires are like, though? They've got big heads. And big heads. So they might come in, hit it off wrong with Jürgen, and be like, Bosh, you're done. And so you've got to kind of weigh up the pros and cons of it all, obviously. And um, a couple of... So one person that wanted to come into it is um, Mukash Ambani, who's an Indian businessman. Apparently, he put in bids for Liverpool in 2017, 2018, 2021. And they all got rejected by FSG. But he came in today with a new offer which is being considered and apparently he's been like a Liverpool fan since day one blah blah so that's the kind of thing you want it's like someone that's put in bids has kind of watched watched you from afar and kind of appreciate what you're doing and won't make too many wide scale changes because I think where it's gone wrong for Chelsea and not so, wrong now I think the Graham Potter thing will work out in the long term if they give him time but where it's gone wrong for Chelsea at the moment is there's too many wide scale changes getting rid of that Marina the contract lady getting rid of Petr Cech as sporting director getting rid of Thomas Tuchel changing the academy setup all of that in one go was too much and it so you want someone progressive doesn't it yeah you need someone that's got a bit more of a footballing brain to come in at Liverpool great in my opinion well let us know what you think about Liverpool let us know if you FSG. want us to buy Liverpool yeah, let us know. Yeah, we'll start going with Fund Me. Come on. Little uh, kickstart for Liverpool. But yeah, let us know what you think down below. Uh, we're going to take a little break and then we'll be back to talk about another clash of the titans. Mighty ass. Right. We just spoke about Chelsea. Let's talk about how they got on. Let's on talk about how they Sunday. absolutely got slapped about their home turf. Yeah. I think right, people yeah. say that Arsenal's home ground is the Emirates Stadium and our training ground is Stamford Bridge. I like that. Um, it'd be like that oh mate we talked about Graham Potter and Chelsea last week on the podcast so I don't want to spend too much time discussing why it's not working because you can go back and listen to the episode last week yeah we'll talk less about Graham Potter and more about that team in specifics for Chelsea the Aubameyang choice um, how they set up and we'll talk about what Arsenal are doing so right at the moment and there's a lot of things we're doing pretty good yeah I mean you're top of the league so um, I mean, we're still not going to talk about Graham Potter too much, but just one question. Is he out of his depth? Uh, I think it's not an easy situation because I tweeted... Um, so there was a discussion I saw on Twitter, and I'm normally on Twitter on the Border account just chatting shit all the time because it's the Border account. I haven't got my face on it. Well, I do, but... Um, <laughs> what, you're like one click away from, from <laughs> yeah. someone doxing you? <laughs> um, and a Chelsea fan was like... Um, Something about Graham Potter and saying that, yes, it's a long-term project and I'm happy to give Graham Potter time, but as Chelsea fans, we expect better right now. And I was like, that's kind of a yes and no answer because you're going to be patient, but we want now. That doesn't, doesn't it work. It doesn't work like that, especially when you've... And so I commented saying that you've got to take into account the bigger picture. And a lot of football fans on Twitter especially can't really see the bigger picture all the time they're very reactive and a bit my my opinion on this year is obviously during the Abramovich era Chelsea were the most cutthroat 
team in world football. Yeah, hundred percent. If they didn't see success within you know six to six months to a year, no chance you were gone. And then it would be a whole new manager, and they'd bring in big name players, and you know, yeah. and then they'd see what Chelsea did. They saw a lot of uh, short term success, but actually quite regularly. Yeah, the likes of winning the the Premier League, then the Champions League, and then they won the Premier League again a couple of yeah. years later. It was never sh- long term. It was always Cup. jumping from short term plan to short term plan to short term exactly. plan, and that, that but works. The problem is, yeah, the Until scope of goes. world football has changed, and yeah. specifically the Premier League. You're looking at clubs like Man City. Man City are the club to be. You want to be Man City. All the you, girls want to be them and all the guys want to be him or something like that. All the girls want him, all the guys want to be him. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Um, all the girls want to be him. I don't know, <laughs> maybe. But um, you will not compete with Manchester City by exploding and splashing a bunch of money, getting a new manager every season and hoping that you're going to pit them to the post because Man City are established. They are, and as much as Arsenal top of the league, yeah. Man City are far and away the best team in the league. And what Man City have got that is an automatic head start. Like you said, you don't want to just splash cash here and there, here and there. Because you can do that. But Man City can do that. Man United can do that. What Man City have got is just an automatic head start is they've got Pep Guardiola, who is undoubtedly the best, He's the best manager, manager in the world. In the world. Yeah. So you can spend money here, there, everywhere. They're already at a head start because they've got the best manager in the world. So there's no point being that short-term fucking let's pump money here, there, everywhere because as much as you do that, you haven't got the best manager in the world. So you need to have a bigger plan behind it all Look at to the take bigger on picture. the best manager in because, the world. Because like you said with Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola is not going to be at Man City forever, right? No. So, Although there is talks, apparently they want him like contract negotiations with him are going well, and they might announce it post World Cup. Fair enough. Scary I mean, time for the league. But you know, Graham Potter is a young manager, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it might happen where Man City have a really shit season, and they, you know they suffer with injuries, or De Bruyne gets goes to Man uh, to Real Madrid, or Haaland goes to Real Madrid, or something. Mm. You know, weird things have happened. But like, unless Man City have one of those seasons you are not going to beat them to the Premier League title. No. They have dropped 90 plus points in like every season for like fucking ever. Yeah. So it's mental. You've got to, like you say, look at the bigger picture here. Graham Potter, when he went to Brighton, we saw the process. He's a project manager. It's not instant where he's going to go into a club, not like a Carlo Ancelotti, where he's going to, I'm not saying they're the same level of manager either, but he's not going to go into a club and immediately see success because that is not what he does put away no it's project 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 and what we're going to see at Chelsea and it I don't know how long it's going to take but we are seeing growing pains yeah yeah, 100% because he is not going to see what he does in the training ground and what happens on the pitch very rarely emulate each other especially right now because what I commented to that guy that I was talking about on Twitter is that Graham Potter, and we said this last week on the pod, he joined at literally the worst time ever because transfer window had shut. Champions League football had just started. So Chelsea were now in a situation where they're playing Tuesday, Wednesday, and then straight into the weekend. And they're jumping between that, that, bosh, uh, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, every week now. And that's been pretty much... Getting a bit antsy with the hands. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm Italian, so it's a (laughs) bit of this. But... um, yeah, so Potter's entire time at Chelsea has been midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend. 
And if you're doing that and you're traveling abroad or you're traveling up and down the country, you've got no time on the training pitch. I reckon out of, say, they are working at Chelsea six days a week, but they got travel time, actual pitch um, matches. I reckon they're on the training ground probably one day in the week, maybe two max, between like rest and recovery and all that shit. Actually so getting, working on like, tactical... Yeah, drills, yeah. tactics and that. And if you're doing that once a week and then the rest of it is travelling, recovery, actually playing, you haven't got time to impart an entire style of play on these players. Whereas the likes of, I don't know, so... I don't know, who's a fucking... Like Crystal Palace, Patrick Vieira. He gets the entire week up until the weekend to impart his style of play. And that's nice. It gives them three or four days of learning. Whereas Graham Potter, at this moment in time, has got one day a week. So he's already in the worst situation because of when he arrived at Chelsea, which is why we said last week, if this was Todd Bully's plan from day one, get him in before the summer starts. Fucking take the bullet, sack Tuchel, cause an absolute media storm because at that point, Tuchel done nothing wrong. So it'd be even weirder to sack him. So maybe Todd Bully was just like chomping at the bit, waiting for Tuchel to cock up so he could sack him. But yeah, get Potter in early Make it known that this is your plan and give Potter the time to work with the players he wants, get in the right players, get out the wrong players. But now, Potter is literally in a situation now where he's got like one day a week to teach his players how he wants to play. That's not working. Long story short, the World Cup will be good for Chelsea because that is a month of solid training time for all the Chelsea players that aren't going to the World Cup. So... It's looking sticky for Chelsea, and it is probably going to be a sticky season. In my opinion, Chelsea don't get top four at all, anything. and I think they'll be lucky to get top six. Um, but yeah, it will get better with time. Potter's just dropped in at the wrong time. I think, yeah, you need to, uh, if you're a Chelsea fan, hold on. right off the season, yeah. look for the positives, because at the minute, you're not. there are none. <laughs> the only positive is you do have a good manager. You have a good manager and you've got an owner who we've seen is willing to invest. So we just got to hope if you're, well, I say we, fuck Chelsea. (laughs) But if you're a Chelsea fan, you just got to hope that Todd Bowley has enough patience and enough um, forethought to give Graham Potter the time and give him the power to bring in the Mm -hmm. players that he actually wants. Because we've seen it with Brighton, he brought in he's brought in players like Pascal Grosch, the right players, players like Trossard, yeah. and even players like Danny Welbeck, you know, who, who've been written off and yeah. now an integral part of the team. Yeah. So you really need to give this man the time because yeah, you 100%. will reap the rewards from it. Yeah, I think Todd Bowley is willing to give him the time because Todd Bowley wouldn't have sat Tuchel otherwise because that was such a big controversy around. Um, Chelsea and to do that as a new owner that's only been there a couple of months he must have fully wanted Potter from day one and then immediately believed in his plan when he had the meeting with Potter and so I think Todd Bowley will give him the time and the Chelsea players I've seen like multiple sources are saying there's a lot of like unrest amongst the Chelsea squad like a lot of players wanting out um I think Kovacic wants out. Jorginho wants like a double contract. Fuck that. Um, shit. So there's so many men that are like on the verge of leaving. So I think it is a long-term rebuild. And it'll be like Arsenal. We were two or three years. We're two or three years into this Arsenal project now before we're starting to see what Arteta is at the top level. And I think Chelsea are going to be the same. They're going to need to give Potter two or three years. And I, like I said, I think Bowley will do that. 
the players that will do that will stay. The players that don't want to do that will leave. It's the Chelsea fans. You need the to fans, take a look at yeah, yourselves. 100%. I know you've had a lot of success recently. And it's been sporadic, but it's been quick. And it's been juicy. Because I've, as an Arsenal fan, been very jealous You're many very, a time. He's a hungry lad. I, I'm hungry. He's but, thirsty um, for success. Uh, every time I see you win the Champions League, I die a little bit inside. And so you've got to take a look at yourselves. You've had your success. Take, but now you want to move to a more sustainable model Just of fucking move to Marbella for a couple of years, chill in the sun. Go support a non-league team. Yeah. Let Chelsea do this rebuild for a couple of years and then come back when they're flying because the next two years, two, three years could be sticky. Let's talk about the other team that played in this game. The Mighty Gunners. The Mighty Boys. Um, Aubameyang gets, got sat down. Mate. Uh, eight touches. I know BT Sport made him do the, it's nothing personal, Arsenal, but I'm a blue now. I know that he was told to do that. And so I'm not like fucking, oh, what pagan. But it was a little bit cringe. And like, you know that if Chelsea had won and Aubameyang had scored like a goal or even like, more all all the fucking memes would be coming out and so because we absolutely fucking pocketed him didn't get a sniffle game eight touches imagine being a premier league footballer he probably getting paid for that game i'd say he made like 50 grand for that 90 minutes do you reckon, do you reckon he, he touched on, the ball eight times about 300k a week he made touched the ball eight times yeah i'd say 300, about 300k yeah and he touched the ball eight times that's maybe, a, that is maybe a joke. fifty grand a touch. That is a joke. Yeah, I mean that is mental. Um, I think I would have got more touches on the pitch. And the reason for that is, in my opinion, my three best players for that game were all in kind of like a little triangle. The triangle of William Saliba, a right back Ben White who tucks into a right centre back, and then Thomas Party in front of them. Thomas Party at the minute is the is best the, midfielder the best, in the Premier League. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, no, like not going for uh, uh, not like he's the best holding midfielder. Yeah, in the yeah, holding midfielder, hundred percent, not yeah. even, without a doubt. I know there's a lot of Rodri discussion, but I think what Party does is Party, Party does is more influential in a game than Rodri. Rodri yeah, allows players like De Bruyne the freedom to play the yeah, way yeah, he does, yeah. but Party is integral to the system that Arsenal play. Party is a different breed. Yeah, he literally party, does party. like two or three man job by himself. He does what it makes it look easy. He he does what. I think Gareth Southgate wants Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips to do together. And Bellingham. And Bellingham, pretty much. He does all of that by himself. He wins the ball. He splits lines. He he goes to the defence to receive the ball and then dribbles it through the lines, gets it to the attackers, links up defence and attack. He defends so well. If the defenders are out of place, he tucks back. And then going forward, he's fucking scoring like 40-yard screamers. He's he, Yeah, he is literally the midfield maestro for Arsenal. Arsenal's press is the best in the Premier League. It is so organised and it is brilliant. And what I loved as well was that towards the end of the game where players were tiring, in order to allow their defence to recover, the players up the pitch were pressing higher and harder than before, which meant that Chelsea were forced to play backwards, which allowed the defence to, you know, gather some energy they're not getting like spread. I mean, they weren't. They weren't really tested the entire game too much, but um, yeah, it, it was it was phenomenal to see. And I I think Arsenal are going to see a lot of success this season. And even if they don't win the Premier League because they've got the colossal that is Man City, yeah, uh, to fight with. But wh- whatever happens, Arsenal 
will will be, be there or thereabouts, and yeah. it's 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 good to see. It's I'm really good happy. to see that a team can go through the process. They've stuck with this manager, and now they are seeing rewards. So hopefully, yeah. a lot of other clubs will, will realize that because it's not working for you in the first season or the second season. Potentially, you know, give it time because at the end of the day, these people are football managers for a reason. Yeah, they live and breathe the game, and they they they're obsessed with it. But um, two players I want to talk about. Firstly, Ben White, outrageous footballer. Got to be starting for England. I yeah, I was just about to ask you, how do you feel about a centre back pairing of? I know we're not going to play four at the back, four at the back, but let's say we did John Stones and Ben White. I think that is potentially our. Well, I think that is our best centre back pairing. And then if we do have to play three at the back, Tamori, Tamori, but I don't think he'll get in. Eric Dyer, John Stones, and Ben White. You got Eric Dyer. I wouldn't, but I think uh, Gareth Southgate will. What about Connor Cody? Doesn't do it for me. I know he's had a good season, but we'll, he, do- we'll, he doesn't do it. I mean, we'll, d- we'll leave that more towards yeah. our, our next episode where we'll be focusing on the World Cup. But for me, Ben White is England's most versatile defender. He's great with the ball. He's ca- he can carry the ball like and anyone. And his ball carrying is amazing. Which was his why physicality, so I think, got slept on. The other World Cup. But he, he's a big, strong boy. He had Mason Mount. Oh my God, he did the most disgusting thing to Mason Mount. So Mason Mount kind of fouled him and kind of like left one on him. And so Ben White got up, looked at him, received the ball from Aaron Ramsdale, let Mason Mount come towards him and just megged him. It was so rude. And I love everything about Ben White. And another player I want to talk about is Gabriel Jesus. The Jesus discussion is very interesting. And it's raging on because he got called up for Brazil and there's a lot of butthurt Liverpool fans because there's no Bobby Firmino. And there's like other like... Yeah, so, so there's a lot the, of people the, saying the, the that he is, isn't the guy. So what Ros is talking about is Gabriel Jesus is currently leading uh, Europe's top five league for most big chances missed. So a big chance is a, is a chance with high XG. Um, and he's leading, I think, with 11. 11, and then there's the likes of Benzema. Mbappe with 10, Benzema with 10, Lewandowski with 9. So this argument is fucking ridiculous, right? Yeah. Because so if, a you're a shit player, if you're a shit player, right, you will get less big chances because you're not in the right positions and you're not allowing your team to generate the chances, right? Exactly. So if if you're Gabriel Jesus here and say over the course of, I don't know, a season, you generate 40 big chances, okay? And then fucking, I don't know, who's a shit striker? Ollie McBurney. (laughs) Ollie McBurney, right? Ollie McBurney's going to generate probably, you know... For himself, maybe 15 big chances, yeah? Yeah, I was going to say less, so yeah. So, Oli McBurney scores 10 out of those 15 big chances. Jesu scores 20 out of 40, right? Yeah, that's how it works. It's, it's the fact that, yes, I think the fundamental argument is Jesus's finishing is not good enough. It's probably verging on poor. But what he makes up for that in is his attacking IQ is... Super level. It's like probably just behind the likes of Benzema, Lewandowski, the elite strikers. He's probably just a tier below those. If they're all S tiers, he's an A tier striker in footballing IQ. But finishing, he's probably like a D tier striker. But like you said, if you've got the I, you'd always want a player with better IQ than a player with shit IQ that scores a couple more because his finishing's better. Because football IQ, you can't really teach. You can be in and around it and kind of learn the place you need to get to but it's all instinctive it's all 
oh shit, I need to be here in this split second. And Gabriel Jesus is so good at that. The reason that he gets memed for missing chances is because he gets so many chances. Whereas like other man, probably there's not enough clips of them to get memed because they're not in that position. Let's say, I don't know, fucking, I was going to say Ollie Watkins, but he actually does miss a lot of chances. He's quite a good IQ striker. But there's someone like, I know, now I put myself on the spot. Like, I know, Damari Gray, so random. But like, he, you don't get enough of him in the final third because his IQ to be in the final third isn't there. And so, yes, the fundamental argument is Jesus should be finishing. That chance in that game that he missed in the first half, fucking header in the six-yard box, uncontested, should be scoring that. I mean, if you're leading a list of... But he's the guy, I love him. ...of um, most big chances missed and the players behind you are Benzema, Lewandowski... Um, Mbappe Mane yeah you're in good company I mean like you look at that list why the fuck is Mbappe not getting mean for fucking missing 10 big chances he's missed like one less exactly and it makes absolutely exactly. no sense it's a ridiculous argument yeah and what Jesus brings to the team is so much more valuable than the and fact like exactly yeah. that I'd happily hit, like him not hit 10 goals this season if he just continues to do what he does pressing Arsenal, and linking it up Arsenal have. he's on 5 goals 5 assists anyway so it's not even like oh yeah, he could be on 10 goals and nobody would be talking about it. it but 10 goals, zero assists. And nobody would be Harry saying... Kane. Yeah, he'd be like, nobody would even bat an eyelid and be like, oh, his finishing's good. He's doing what strikers should do. But he's doing five goals, five assists and everyone's like, oh, fuck me, this is the end of the world. Like the best, the best, 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 best players in the world, right? They will often overperform their XG, okay? Yeah. So you're looking at the likes of Lionel Messi, um, someone, who, someone, who, someone who's really good at it is Harry Kane as well. Because yeah, Harry, Harry Kane is... So so super instinctual, and he is yeah. a top. He is the A tier echelon of finishers. He is. He's world. like if we we're talking about like football IQ, he's like a A tier, and then finishing, he's like an A tier. If he's you like took, double if on you both. Took Jesus and Kane and merged them into one player, they would be the best strike in the world. Yeah, literally. But you, like Arsenal are lucky because they have players like Martinelli, like Saka, like Odegaard, like Emil Smith Rowe, like Xhaka this season. Yeah. who are bringing goals. Yeah, 100%. and that is all down to the press and down to the link-up play and the football IQ of Gabriel Jesus because he will allow them to space to to play into because he will draw the defenders out. Facts. He will break lines. Yeah. So, fuck off with this argument. It's a load of shit. If you tweet it, I will come at you. I've already come at like four people for coming at Gabriel Jesus and I will do it more. Speaking of more, we're going to take a little break. And then we'll be back for more. And we'll be back with uh, predictions. for more. Back for more <laughs> with predictions. Yeah, boy. We are back... You haven't even got up with the predictions for next week, man. Nah, I've got them. I've got them here. Look, check it out. Bosh. Oh, Bosh. He's got But um, if you were, like, wondering about other games, Leeds. Shout out Leeds. That was a quality game. Gabriel Bunglehor, that just... Fuck off your opinions, man. Imagine imagine <laughs> he is complaining scumbag. about people celebrating, yeah? Yeah. After they've come back from 2-0 down. In, like, the 86th minute in front of their own fans. Leeds got a very techie little Italian up top, that Wilfred Notto. Yeah. I love him. What a boy. Fair, and like yeah, so Man City dodgy penalty. Don't like that to win the game. Fair Jack Cancelo also, what you doing, mate? Yeah, fuck me up on fantasy. So lucky as well. I was texting you. Did I text you about that? How I had um, Erling Haaland captain, Cancelo vice captain, and the Haaland didn't start. And I was like, fuck, my vice captain's Cancelo. I'm gonna get double red card points. Naughty, naughty. And then shout out Don Unai for catching a dub against Man United. We both predicted that Man United would struggle. We did. And yeah, they, they struggled harder than I uh, expected. Yeah, it was see. a good start from Don Unai and his Aston Villa team. Oh, and also, uh, 
a good late winner for Crystal Palace against uh, West Hampshire or yeah. HLTCO. Michael Lise, what a player. Yeah, that interview as well. Banging interview. <laughs> yeah. Wolf Saha doing bits as well. Yeah. yeah. Just as I got him out of fantasy. Yeah, I, I kept him brick. in this week. I was going to get him up for uh, Trossard. Right. Prediction time. Kicking off the week. I need to have a good one because I am flagging behind you, you on the other. What are you on? 75? 75 and 92. 92. It's not looking good, bruv. <laughs> Shut up. Um, right. Man City versus Brentford at the Etihad. Kicking it off. 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. Brentford are on a sticky run of form at the moment. It's a slippery slope. And it is. And they're playing... I'd, the weird thing is, because this is the last game before Qatar... Players might want I, to get rested. I, yeah, I don't know how players are going to approach it. Obviously... On paper, Man City slapped them, especially in the current run of Man form. Man City's B team slapped them, but in Haaland, will, he's not going to the World Cup, so technically he he's going to play. He could actually He'll play the game. And I'll but you're looking so. at the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin, you're looking yeah, at the likes Cancelo. of Rodri. Well, well Cancelo, Cancelo can't, play. can't even play. Yeah, yeah. tactical record. That's why. But yeah, you're looking <laughs> at the like the likes of I don't Johnny know, Stones. Stones yeah. yeah. So Phil Foden. Yeah, ooh, yeah Rodri. All them, man. Jackie Grealish. Ooh. Yeah, I mean four 0 Brentford. <laughs> that's locked in that's locked in guys imagine, imagine they slap Man United 4-0 on in Man City I'm going to go 4-0 Man City going 4-0 3-0 oh, I was going to say 3-0 I'm going to go 3-0 <laughs> Man City right, 3-0 Man City that one up um, Bournemouth versus Everton On at the beginning of the season I would have said this would be the stinkiest fixture ever that's quite a good one then. but I'm quite excited Are they, they're playing each other tonight as well in the um, in the EFL, EFL. Cup that's yeah. weird isn't it they got the double over each other that's, that'll that could make it spicy. You can only take so much for from the EFL, yeah. yeah no, I can imagine I mean, it'll be like. But it is the third round, so you get through this. You know, you're looking. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're looking pretty good. But yeah, it's weird that they're playing each other twice in the week. Um, World's a weird place. I think Bournemouth are overperforming. I think Everton are performing. Yeah, they've had a, a couple of stinky ones. I thought they were going to do put up a better fight against Leicester to get smashed two 0 at home at Goodison Park. Not really good enough. I think Leicester looked good though. Leicester, I think, on the up, and we'll get on to Leicester. I think uh, I'm glad they stuck with Brendan Rodgers. James Madison, absolutely flying. Sometimes, but, um, and I, mean, I think the theme of this episode is stick with your manager, manager through the through the thick through thick and thin. And next game, the manager hasn't been stuck with, but we'll get on to that. I think it's going to be a one-one draw. We've just done a whole episode and not talked about hasn't it? Mad. To be fair, I actually don't care. <laughs> Um, Neither do I. I, I, I like actually quite Hassan like Hassan. Yeah, I yeah, liked yeah. him. But, um, okay, long story short, we both like Hassan Hootle. And I actually tweeted from the Wardrobe account, as I do many a time, I think Hassan Hootle was shagged a little bit because the recruitment wasn't really good enough and the team wasn't ever really like any higher than just above relegation quality. And I think he was doing better with that squad than... Most other managers. I think his could. reputation also got tarnished by the nine nils. The nine nils stuck in. Yeah. So I think, and I can't remember who it was who said this, but someone I was listening to said, if their scorelines had been like a seven nil or a ten yeah, nil, yeah. then it would have been yeah. like probably it's because they're both nine nil. Like yeah, you're just thinking like it's yeah. mental. Yeah. But um, Bournemouth Everton, give me a prediction. One one. One one. I'm gonna go for a two all draw. I'm gonna say Bournemouth continue their trend of scoring two goals a game and bottling it and bottling it yeah uh, Liverpool versus Southampton against newly sacked Ralph Hasenhutl's side I'm captaining Salah this week if you're <gasps> wondering oh, no Haaland no I'm going with before. Salah oh, mental. I'm going Salah against a managerless Southampton and I reckon Liverpool do them 9 4-1 f- 
you've got to go bold go for the 9-0 um, I'm always going for Liverpool and Spurs to concede by the way because both of their defences are rubbish what do you say 4-1 4-1 yeah I'm going to go for 4-0 Konate, nice. bring me my points, baby. Come on. Um, not in the Forest versus Palace. I'll just kick this one off. Yeah, hit me. I fancy Palace. And I'm going to go for a semi-decent result of a 2-0 win. I think Nottingham Forest looked okay in their last game. I think they got shagged a little bit. Um, it was like a last-minute dodgy dodgy VAR situation. I think the ref wasn't... The refs have been so bad this season. Um, I agree. Palace win. I'm going to go... What do you say? 2-0? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 2-1. Two, 2. Palace. Right. Um, another game following that one. Funny how football works, isn't it? we got this Spurs versus Leeds. Leeds after a great uh, comeback against Bournemouth. Spurs. Stinky Spurs. Um, what have you got on this one, Roz? I think there's goals in this game. I think Spurs, surely, they must have got pelters from every direction about how they're starting games so I reckon I don't know why I reckon they'll come out fast because um, the past evidence would show they absolutely won't but yeah, I think they will in the building fast and furious yeah I think they'll I think they'll come out fast Kulisewski's back and he looked really good in his like quarter of an hour cameo, cameo yeah. against um, Liverpool it was probably longer than quarter of an hour um, yeah he looked really good and I think he'll cause Leeds a lot of problems but if Leeds play with Nonto with um, Crescencio Somerville I think they'll also cause Spurs some problems. I'm going to go 3-2 to Spurs. Ooh. Leeds on the wrong end of a 3-2 this week. I'm going to go for a 2-0 to Spurs. I didn't back them last week, and I was right. I've backed them pretty much every week so far. And I'm bucking the trend. I'm going back-to-back in them. I'm, I'm feeling it. But like you say, with the World Cup and stuff, players like Harry Kane. Ooh. Who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, two 0 to the Spursman. Um, Spursman, a very interesting game actually. Yeah, West Ham versus Leicester. West Ham, who not in a good place been, right yeah, now. Yeah, very much underperforming in my opinion. I'm seeing shouts for David Moyes out. Yeah, that's stick with your manager. Come on. Yeah, 100. percent David Moyes, is, he knows what he's doing. Um, but yeah, I, I fancy. Obviously, Leicester have done very well recently, and they're definitely on the up. I fancy a bit of a wobble here for them though. Um, potentially the World Cup thing Tielemans um, maybe Madison who knows but um, yeah I'm fancying West Ham to sort of bounce back a little bit I'm going to go for a 1-0 West Ham win 1-0 West Ham oh no I think Leicester get on the score sheet Um, I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw 2 draw very interesting not a ball draw no um Newcastle many draws these days. flying Newcastle flying <laughs> high Eddie Howe Newcastle slapping man I'm loving this I'm yeah, loving same. watching Newcastle at the minute and um, all power to him all power to Amaron yeah mate I hope he wins Premier League Player of the Month he's got to surely. he's got to yeah he's on like 7-7 seven seven now I think unbelievable um, St. Maxman also recording an assist later yeah, he's on, back on it and then Bruno Grace back uh, like doing his thing so oh good. come on you are it's 1-0 mate 2-0 two, no, two minutes in let's go I just QPR. feel stink. I don't even know um, what the other scores are in the EFL mate, to we be started fair, with a Doma and the Doma's like not even started a game this season mental Newcastle versus Chelsea what yes. are you predicting Newcastle going to slap him up mate I think it's a Newcastle dub as well yeah I'm going to go for a 2-0 Newcastle 2-0 that's a nice scoreline see I think in the back of my mind I always think I can't go for the same as you because 
if we both get it, I'm not making any points. But then I'd keep doing that and then keep going further behind. Um, but I think I'm going to go for a 2-1. 2-1? Two, one. Two, one. To Newcastle. Who, if, you wanna, I'll give you a double points if you get the correct score and you guess the goal scorer. In the Newcastle game? Yeah. Amara. No, no, for Chelsea. Ah, okay. One. Uh, oh, uh, Mason Mount. Yeah, I was going to say Money Mason. I think it would be a yeah. good shout. Lyndon Dykes on the score sheet for QPR. Oh, man. Let's go. And then to round it up, Saturday night, and then we've got two for Sunday. But Saturday, evening game, Wolves hosting the bloody boys. Recently appointed... Uh, Julian Lopetegui. Lopetegui. Yeah. yeah. Um, good manager, man. Could the, be a manager bounce situation. The draw of the Premier League is very, very strong. Yeah, the calibre of managers in the Premier League is disgusting. Villa, and you've got Lopetegui at Wolves. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, mental. And that's like the Midlands as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's grim. Like, grim. Imagine Lopetegui used to... Just kidding. Um, bloody lovely sangria on the beach. Yeah. And man. now he's stuck at Wolves. <laughs> Poor lad. Nice. <laughs> but, um, but that's yeah. like loads of... They've got a whole Portuguese clan there that are probably used to beaches. And that's that probably shit. why they're playing then, so shit. Yeah, and then that... Yeah, <laughs> fuck knows. Anyway, Arsenal going to Wolves to hopefully catch to a dub and them. remain top of the league. I think we'll batter them. Although they put up a good showing um, against Brighton... A better showing than I thought because I've never seen them score more than one goal in the game. So for them to get two, I was like, bloody hell, what the hell's going on here? Um, but we'll do them. I'm going to go 2-0 Arsenal. Yeah, I'm going to join you on a 2-0. I've gone for... My last three results have been 2-0, so... There's always a little bit of um, fucking spicy nature whenever we play Wolves because they, like, beat us a couple of times in the last couple of times we beat them. He did, yeah, but yeah. Ben me. Mm. All the game before last game. So maybe a little bit of spice taken out of this affair. Yeah, fucking due I to the can't be asked to see Diego, Diego Costa. Costa. Yeah, that's, that's that's actually very true. Kicking off Sunday, finally a Sunday without five two o'clock kickoffs. Yeah, both games on TV. This is what it's about. A very interesting matchup here. We got recently appointed Deserby versus even more recently appointed Unai Emery, Don Unai, after a fantastic result against United. Yeah, boy, and. Um, I'm interested to see how this game plays out because I'm liking the style two, of football yeah, that Brighton two playing. smart managers. And Villa were very good against United. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I, this is maybe the hardest one for me predi- to predict. This, yeah, I think these two are very closely matched in like squad level. Both got very like good squads and both got very um, capable, top smart... Top quality managers. Top quality, top managers. quality so, managers. So yeah, I think it'll be a good clash. You gave your result for the Arsenal game, so I will go first here. I, f- I really want to go with Don Unai, but I think Brighton at the Amex before the World Cup will want to leave with a bit of a bang. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 to Brighton. I'm going to go with a 2-2 two, two. draw. I think I've said 2 all a couple of times, I mean, but I'm going to go for yeah. another 2 all. Right. And uh, rounding out the week, you got Fulham <sighs> versus Man United. Fulham, who were actually very good against Man City. I know Man City went down to 10 men very early on and conceded from that penalty. Mm. But um, yeah, very interesting game. Man United off of a poor result against Aston Villa. Uh, quite a few players in their squad will be leaving to go to the World Cup. So, ooh, who knows? Um, but yeah, do you want to kick this one off? Yeah, I think Man United are looking wobbly. Um I like that they started Donny van der Beek. He had an absolute shocker of a game, but I like that they started him. Do you know what? They, they play shit when Bruno's on the pitch, but I think they're worse when he's not there. Yeah, 100%. And the more I see Ronaldo, the more I know he's absolutely past it in the Prem. He's not up to it. 
Wait for him to play an absolute blind at the World he, Cup. His press is just so bad. I saw... Um, shout out Ben Foster. Nah, you're all right, guy. Um, I was watching the Ben Foster podcast and he had um, an Aston Villa goalkeeping coach on it. And he was saying that Emmy Martinez was spef- specifically told in that game to play it around the back because he knew Ronaldo, Ronaldo couldn't press. And so it's crazy that people are now specifically targeting one of the best players in the world. Um, or past best players in the world. So, yeah, if they start Ronaldo, done out here. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 United, though. Yeah. Sadly. I think I will join you on that. I think... Um, this guy, man. Not, I'm not, not for a 2-1. <laughs> I'm going to go for a 3-1, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to add a little spicy to this affair. But... um. That rounds up our last predictions before the start of the World Cup. We got World Cup content coming now and soon and good content. Yeah, literally. Sorry, I don't know what that was. I yeah, we're going to be firing out the World Cup content. Um, we're going to be taking a little trip back down to the podcast room. Yeah, so get excited for that because that's always a good vibe. Two special guests to join us for a cheeky World Cup draft. Even more special than last time. Yeah, and you can't get more special than Tom, trust me. <laughs> but yeah, so um, make sure that you're subscribed to all our socials. Uh, Shout out Deportivo Toluca, mate. Look at this peng top. Corona on the back as well, Let's man. Let's go. Yeah. If, um, yeah, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Five stars on Spotify. Yeah. Follow us on TikTok because we're smashing out the Tiki Tokies. And during the World Cup, we'll be doing bare TikToks. Yeah, we're live reaction yeah, so to uh, games, goals, everything. But yeah, make sure you're following everything. Um, also, the main one we want to be pushing at the minute is our YouTube because at the minute, Subscribe. so like some episodes like the Champions League episode re- released last week that we don't upload to Spotify. True. So make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube because then that way you will get to see all the content and our lovely faces. Come on. Um, and you're going to be sick of us by the end of the World Cup because there is a plethora of content coming out. Let's go. So yeah, but thank you very much for listening, watching, however you did it, guys. Um, transcribing whatever but thank you it's been Bordraw and it's live come on Arsenal